well as full of friends. But unfortunately, we have to open with some sad news. Oh, man, yes, we do. We lost a pinball pioneer this last week. Wayne Nines passed away at the age of 104. Coincidentally enough, I think the day after his birthday? Yeah, I believe so. I believe it was the day after. 104. Wow. It designed over... I, I looked this up and... Is it, this can't be true. Designed over 175 pinball machines for D. Gottlieb in the 50s and 60s? Well, you know, I don't know the full range of where you do the cutoff. My understanding, though, is yes, he did actually have 180 pinball designs. Whoa. However, 159 only uh, only yeah. <laughs> were were produced. Jeez. So he is, he is one of, or if not the most prolific pinball designer of all time. I, I yeah. hedge on it because depending how you count, like multiple player versions and such, it's sort of between him and Ed Krinsky, who was also oh, of Gottlieb. Yeah. So, uh, but the volumes of both of them are, it's just not like, you know, we think today pinball is different than, than, <laughs> than how it was in the EM era. Sure it is. would not have been unheard of for Wayne to do 10 games in a year. Yeah. Different, different, different layout games. Yeah. And yeah. I, I heard you talking. We ain't talking Shrek, Shrek family guy, Rethings. No, I heard you speaking about, um, about the legacy of Mr. Nines. I forgot what it was on. I heard you talk about him not only being a designer, but really kind of a prolific engineer. Uh, yes. And it might have been one of my interviews with either uh, Ryan Claytor or Nick Baldridge when mm-hmm. they had their coin-op carnival, the first uh, volume of that is actually about Wayne Nyans. Okay. Um, and I would say at least, and everyone's going to have their own opinion on who, like, who are, who are your favorite designers, who are your favorite designers of the EM era and all of that. To me, Wayne is actually better known for, for at least for my part, his engineering prowess than the designs themselves. Mm-hmm. And I know you were doing some research this morning regarding some of the patents he holds. Yeah, I, uh, I think it was, this is via maybe Pinwiki, but said that he holds very important patents. For example, the electric switching device, which is what we know today kind of as the pop bumper spoon switch. And then also the two-player pinball machine, 1972. This was from his Challenger Kind of an an odd attempt at a two player head to head pinball machine, but I'll uh, I'll tell you one that uh, that was Wayne's favorite. It's not it's not patent, but okay. as from an engineering standpoint, mm-hmm. and it's so it's it was his game Queen of Hearts, which I do not believe I have ever had the opportunity to play. I'm not it's familiar. from yeah, it's well it's it's real old. It's from December 1952. Whoa, and so it's a card theme. And, and the gameplay is really popular. And I think the reason, in part, is because of what Wayne did with... This was back when gobble holes were still a, a okay. primary idea. So for those not familiar, gobble hole is where the ball will fall into a hole, and that takes the ball out of play. You've lost the ball at that point. On Queen of Hearts, there are five gobble holes, which represent various playing cards. Okay. And what Wayne wanted to do with it is that you would get replays, and I guess a certain number of replays for certain hand combinations that you would build with the gobble holes. Like if you made, if you shot a full house or a four oh. of a kind, for example, okay? Here's the thing. The problem is, this is back before we have printed circuit boards and microchips able to keep track of stuff. So you've got to do this all with electromechanical equipment. And the problem that he ran into was a pinball, and the pinballs were the same back then as they are now, they don't weigh enough to close a rollover that has a lot of switches stacked together. In fact, you can only reliably close three st- sets of switches maximum with a pinball. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. 
Well, because nowadays you wouldn't, you, we don't need it. Yeah. Like we just, we have a micro switch or an opto or we do whatever. We, we throw it in memory. Yeah. 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 So, but he needed to have it stacked so that based off of what cards were where you had to, you know, you have to close certain switch combinations and all that. And Wayne sort of obsessed over this design and he ended up being able to come up with no computers, a solution around the entire problem. He was able to implement his replay features and it was ultimately, in his view, his greatest engineering masterpiece he ever achieved. Well, I can see why. So it's just uh, the way he worked around it and came up with a whole new circuit to do that. Not not one patented, but ultimately made a very, very successful game for himself and for the company. Wow. And that legacy, that wasn't short-lived. That It was throughout his whole lifespan that he was so into pinball. I remember him doing interviews, you know, <laughs> up in the late 90s early 100s still mm. doing interviews about pinball and his love for the for the game that reminds me of wayne's successor and mm-hmm. krinsky at gottlieb he was sort of he wasn't passionate about pinball a lot of people may not have known that but I like he went in he really viewed it as just a job and he he did it and he, he kind of did that grind whereas wayne really had a love for the game mm-hmm. and just different different perspectives but but you know, to run over a little bit of the history on it, because obviously he he Wayne was in the hobby for so long, in the industry for so long. I mean, he started in pinball in 1937. Wow. Yeah, it was with a was a with a company no one really knows about anymore called Western. But in 1939, he joined Gottlieb, and that's where he spent his entire pinball career. Okay. And, I mean, he he did have a break because, like many, he served in World War II. Wow. So. But he went back to the company after the war, and Gottlieb actually went into war production during the war. So they weren't making pinballs mm-hmm. that entire time period. Uh, and when Wayne came back, he was, you know, he 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 did not start as a game designer. His first game was actually out in 1949. So a little bit after the inventor of the electromechanical flipper, Harry Mabs, had put out his his flipper game, Humpty Dumpty. Oh yeah. And then Harry left Gottlieb. Uh, I don't know why he went over to Williams. I I know the suspicion is because of money. Like he he okay. expected to get uh, significantly paid more with the you know the flippers really changed the industry. But so he left, and so in '51, Wayne became lead designer, really only designer for most of that time period. Mm-hmm. So and so from 1951 through through a point in 1965, he was an active game designer, mm-hmm. and then in '65 he became chief engineer at Gottlieb. And Ed Krinsky came on board to be the new lead designer. Successor. Yeah. And then, yeah, so then, so he was chief engineer. Then in 71, Wayne became director of engineering and product development. And then eventually in the 70s, he transitioned again to his final position, which was vice president of engineering. So you see, mm-hmm. there was this huge emphasis for in his career on the engineering side, mm-hmm. even though he did spend many, many years as a designer. And so he did that all the way up until a point in 1980. And then he actually went through most of 1983 as a consultant to Gottlieb. And then he was like truly retired after that point. Well, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> but but still, you know, still, uh, you know, still passionate, willing to talk to people. And one of the things I know, because I, I never interacted directly with Wayne. But one of the things I remember a lot of people always pointed out is because the, there was a lot of stuff around his 100th birthday, a lot of interviews, a lot of discussions mm-hmm. with him. And it was just that he... You know, his mind remained extremely sharp, mm. so he could recall all of this stuff. And I remember reading in one of the interviews, one of his biggest frustrations was that 
he no longer mentally could construct the Queen of Hearts circuit. Like he's like, he, <laughs> it, it, it frustrated him to know that he didn't have it in him to develop it from scratch anymore. To do he, something he would that try to. most humans he, couldn't do any yeah, well, time yeah, in their lives. Yes, yeah. but, but, you know, he's like, I remember my peak. And it's like, he's like, I sit, I sit and I try and remember and come up with the circuit. And I just, I can't, I know I did it. I don't remember how I did it anymore. It's just one of those, but he remembered so much of so many other things that he worked on uh, throughout the process and throughout his career. And uh, now I'm assuming because you've you've typically leaned more modern pinball, sure, uh, sure. that you've never owned a Wayne game. You know, I'd have to go back and look. I would say that there's a good chance that at some point in time I have owned a Wayne game, but not knowing that I did and, and very short lived. I've not kept any EMs. I've never owned a, even a wood rail, but not not kept ems for a long time some of the notable games dennis and listener from wayne nines include pioneer 300 soccer or super soccer spirit of 76 probably one of the most popular buckaroo happy clown shipmates world fair slick chick gaucho and even more contemporary stuff that was remade uh, rethemed skinned paps can crusher and Wonelli. those two are you know that's a little that's a little weird one so sure, i guess for because sure. those are seen as well at least Wonelli is a is a dennis nordman design and and it is uh the the thing is that they're based off of off of a wayne game from 1957 called continental cafe and so they're sort of somewhat of a conversion the rules and how they score are, are significantly different. different yes uh, though again and people can correct me if i'm wrong but i think i read in one of the interviews with wayne nyans that that got brought up like oh you know continental cafe was used as a sort of like this basis for wonelli and and some of these other themes mm-hmm. and i think if i remember right wayne goes Primus, really yeah. that wasn't one of my good games oh <laughs> <laughs> so it reminded me of when barry osler told you that popeye's not a good yeah, game why do you like it like, really that's the one you want to talk about yeah, yeah. yes so so yeah the, obviously really really famous ones i'd say a lot of uh historic collectors wood rail type collectors love slick chick that's always the one i, well, I, hear I do hear about that um, yeah but the one i owned of his oh. which isn't wasn't one of his notable ones but uh and the oldest game i've ever owned was 1956's uh gottlieb scoreboard score hyphen board there have been multiple scoreboards yeah mm. it's a it's was my first experience with what i call middle pop pinball mm. where there's a pop bumper spanish eyes is the most famous of these but there's a pop bumper at or below your lowest set of flippers okay kind of in the middle of the game that allows the ball to go back up into play mm-hmm. that actually just for my you know selfishly for my part got me really curious about middle pop and all these different designers that worked on these really weird obscure kind of uh, layout games that used pop bumpers in a really creative manner and ultimately I actually I wrote a whole article about them back in 2018 it's over on pinball news called because I'm super creative middle pop pinball oh twippy award finalist written article that my whole interest in that stemmed from owning a Wayne Nines game Dennis I don't know if I've owned uh, a Nines game but I can't say I still have a favorite I've played I mean, I haven't played close to how many he designed, but there's probably a handful I've played at shows or, or different buddies owned. My favorite, it's actually uh, soccer or super soccer. Oh, okay. I really like that game. It's it's a lot of fun. My my buddy had one. He had a really clean example of one. What I loved was that back box display. Oh yeah, no, it's super. Oh. It's super cool. We had one of those at the Kansas City Pinball Championship okay. by, in the free play area a few years ago. Yeah, and I love the concept of wasn't it the the balls collected throughout the game uh, mm-hmm. rolling 
into the bonus kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's how it works. Man, I love that concept. That was really fun. That was almost like, a, for me, it's like, okay, I can get behind one of these older games because it may be points, but it's still something kind of moment-wise, there a task-wise. Moment. Yeah, you get... The back box had a moment. You see that tangible ball that counts for a golden ticket or whatever. I, I really just love that. He is extremely influential to many throughout this industry. Our industry would not be the same uh, without his legacy and all that he has brought. A lot of concepts in which he brought to this, to this thing that we call the perfect game are things that are going to go on for decades. People are going to utilize his expertise and his knowledge, his genius. Um, he will be missed. Our thoughts go out to his family, his friends, all affected by him and had the joy of, of meeting him. Um, I will say this, at age 104, Dennis, that's one hell of a high score that I don't think anyone is going to be. Steve Kordak got close. He did. Uh, about 100, 100, almost 101. Mm-hmm. When, and, and I think Wayne, to my knowledge... You know, he's the last, he was the last of the Wood Royal designers yeah. that was still with us. But thankfully, he shared so much of his knowledge of those days because a lot of this stuff isn't in written record. If they, unless these uh, employees and these workers, these designers share their stories, we wouldn't have them. And there's a lot we lost from the early days of pinball that didn't get shared. But mm-hmm. Wayne gave us as much as he could so that we would actually have a good history of what went on at Gottlieb and, and in the industry as a whole during those decades of formative development. Well, thank you, Mr. Nines. He's given a lot to the hobby. It's it's sad to see him go, but uh, his legacy will definitely live on, and he will be missed.